It was either going to run over the edge or he was going to get up. <laughs> it motivated him. Music, again, the thing from Rocky or good movie music will get you ready. Company coming will motivate you, won't it? Clean the house, don't you? You know they're coming. The birth of a child will motivate you. Change the way you think about everything. Doctor's orders will motivate you. Tell you to do this or die. Sometimes get motivated. In the deep south, a coming snowstorm motivates people. Jeannie and I went to Kroger this week together before the impending doom. And we are still married. And it was quite the event of trying to fight for the bread and the milk and the things that we need. People get motivated. We, we might freeze to death, but we're not starving. And Jesus' words from the cross, they, they motivate us. That's what we're going to look at again today. The third word. The first two words were so heavenly. The first two words, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they do. Mind-boggling. The second one to the thief on the cross today, you'll be with me in paradise. It's something hard to wrap around. The third word for the cross that we look at today seems a little different. So earthly, but so important. Before we get to it, let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word that should motivate us. And we ask your rich blessing on <coughs> us as we get to hear it. Meditate on it. Hopefully act upon it through what you impress on our hearts to do. We thank you for the power of your word that it would work in our life today and always in Jesus' name. John 19 is where we are going to find this third word from the cross, beginning in verse 23. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, divided them into four parts, <coughs> one for each stature. They also took his tunic. The tunic, we are told, is seamless, woven in one piece from the top. And they said to one another, let's not tear it cast lots to see who gets it. This was to fulfill what the scripture said, they divided my clothes among themselves. For my clothing they cast lots. And that is what the soldiers did. And watching this, meanwhile, standing near the cross of Jesus were his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And there from the cross with his hands and feet nailed to the boards. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved, John was writing this, and that's how John referred to himself. I don't think John is bragging or boasting. I think John is saying, and he loved me too. So when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom Jesus loved standing beside her, he said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. And then he said to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. That's the third word from the cross. Woman, here is your son. Son, here is your mother. Those words motivate me as I think 
about what Jesus is trying to let us know 2,000 years later. The main focus of this word is not Mary, it's not John, it's, it's Jesus. And what's Jesus doing here on the cross? It's fascinating to me. He's taking care of it. He's thinking about the world. He's thinking about thieves. He's thinking about family. The first three words are about everybody else, not himself. And he's also following scripture in the importance of family. You know one of the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20, the first part of verse 12, honor your father and your mother. And Jesus is honoring his mother. It's interesting to note that it's, it's not said here, but it's implied. Joseph is nowhere to be found. Why isn't Joseph taking care of Mary? Scholars believe he died, that Mary is now a widow. And it's interesting to me. Because during his ministry on earth, Jesus raised a lot of folks from dead. Why not Joseph? We don't have a story of Jesus raising Joseph. You know, I think maybe in letting Joseph go, Jesus taught us a great lesson about the next life, the heaven that waited to reward Joseph. It's okay to let folks go. Jesus did. Mark lets us know that Mary had other children that, that could have taken care of her. Mark 6, verses 1 through 3, Jesus left that part of the country and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. And they said, where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? And then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon and his sisters live right here among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. But it wasn't any of those children that took care of Mary. It was John. Jesus had John adopt Mary and Mary adopt John. He had his reasons out of what they were and I just accept them. But this word from Jesus motivates me as, as many things do to really cherish my family. The Jews believed that family was a divine institution and they were right and we should too. I'll give you some scripture about family. Look at 1 Timothy 5 verses 1 to 8. Never speak harshly to an older man but appeal to him respectfully as you would talk to your own father. Talk to younger men as you would to your own brothers. Treat older women as you would your mother and treat younger women with all purity as you would your own sisters. Take care of any widow who has no one else to care for her. But if she has children or grandchildren, their first responsibility is to show godliness at home and repay their parents by taking care of them. This is something that pleases God. Now a true widow, a woman who is truly alone in this world, has placed her hope in God. She prays night and day asking God for his help. But the widow who lives only for pleasure is spiritually dead even when she lives. Give these instructions to the church so that no one will be open to criticism. And then verse 8, listen to this. But those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their own household, have denied the true faith. Such people are worse than unbelievers. Ouch! Motivating words to make sure that we do the very best we can to take care of our families. More about scripture, about family Ephesians. 
6, 1 to 4. Children, obey your parents. Because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with the promise. If you honor your father and your mother, things will go well for you. You'll have a long life on earth. Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. While I'm reading about family, one more about marriage. Ephesians 5, 21 to 33. Further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He's the Savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands and everything. For husbands, this means love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church, he gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to, he did this to present her to herself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. It says she'll be holy without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it just as Christ cares for the church. We are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother is joined to his wife. The two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself. The wife must respect her husband. I could have chosen more, I just chose a few, but Scripture's clear that all of us are to care for our family. I have been so very, very blessed in, in my life with family. The parents God gave me after the death of my mother, uh, my stepmother was a gift from heaven. Uh, who put up with a lot of us. Uh, I knew Jeannie really loved me many times in our marriage, but when my stepmother got Alzheimer's in Mississippi, and I went and got her and moved her in with us and two small children in Indiana, and Jeannie had her hands full with Mary Alice and Taylor and Ellen and me. But that's what she signed up for. Family. And she loves all of us that did until Mary's day, time, day. It's important that we take care of family. But there's something else going on here on the cross. Here Jesus also shows that sometimes family can have nothing to do with the blood in our veins but the blood of Christ. Our church family, and I like to call it that, is made up of brothers and sisters. And the longer I'm here and the closer we get, the more I enjoy that. And I've been blessed so much with family in Aberdeen, Mississippi, or Fentress, Mississippi, or Akron, Mississippi, or Starkville, Mississippi, or Henryville, Indiana, or Holton, Indiana. And now Sandy Springs, Georgia, where it all started. We are family. And that is important. That we take care of one another. <coughs> Something else going on here. It's amazing to see how much of Jesus' ministry was devoted to providing for the physical needs of people. Feeding them, healing them, and touching them, and talking with them, and listening to them. Let me read you one more example from Jesus' life about caring for people. Remember, he's on a cross while he's caring for people. Mark 9, beginning in verse 30. 
leaving that region, they traveled through Galilee. Jesus didn't want anyone to know he was there. <coughs> Where he wanted to spend more time with his disciples and teach them. He said to them, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of enemies. He'll be killed, but three days later he'll rise from the dead. They didn't understand what he was saying. However, they were afraid to ask him what he meant. And after they arrived at Capernaum and settled in a house, Jesus asked his disciples, What were you talking about out on the road? They didn't answer because they'd been arguing about which of them was the greatest. He'd been teaching them and loving them and supporting <coughs> them and putting up with them and they're fighting right before the cross about who's the greatest. He sat down called the twelve disciples over to him and said, whoever wants to be first must take the last place and be servant of everyone else. And that's exactly what Jesus is doing on the cross. When he tells Mary to take care of John and John to take care of Mary, he's putting himself last and everybody else before him at his needs. Jesus is showing in his dying moments his care for us. As a minister over the years, you get to be with a lot of people in their dying moments. I've never kept a list, but there are many memories seared into my head. And when you are with a Christian person, a mature Christian person, in their dying moments, it is a beautiful thing to watch. As they have no care or concern for themselves, but they're thinking about their family. And they're giving the last instructions, the last I love you's, and the last remember to do this. It's important. And sometimes in our dying moments, our priorities come out like certainly did for Jesus. He was servant. And that's beautiful. It leads to the question, so what can we do for Jesus? How can we take this word from the cross and make a difference? <clears throat> take care of your family. There are so many stories in these pews that I'm so proud of how to do that. Serve others. Serve others. And that will please Christ. We become Christ-like when, in spite of our difficulties, in spite of our circumstance, remember Jesus is nailed to the cross. We care for our family, the family of God. <clears throat> when we do that, I firmly believe the love of Christ becomes irresistible and we grow as family. Let's pray. Father, on that cross, you were a, were a servant caring for others, even in those moments. Forgiving, loving, and caring. Offering eternal life to the undeserved. And here taking care of Mary and John. Lord, how different would we be if we looked at our family as gifts from God? If we treated one another with the respect that you teach us to in Scripture. If we cared for the family of God the way we ought. 
help that to be so in this place and in our lives. Thank you for that motivating word to remind us that even in our worst moments, as you were on that cross, we should care and love for our family. We've come to a world with disposable folks. Help us to never throw one another away, but to love and to serve and to care for the family of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our time of invitation today, and again, the doors of the church are open if you need to make a decision public, I'll be in the front. But we're going to just let Elizabeth sing our prayer. Uh, our prayer is going to be, give me Jesus. That is the gift that you have been given. You can remain seated while we have this time of prayer. Elizabeth, what do we do?